Good evening. It's a great privilege to be up here once again to be able to um, present a lesson from God's Word. I want to thank the elders for giving me this opportunity to um, to speak. I always enjoy getting up and, and speaking and preaching from God's Word. Let us go to God in prayer. Thank you, Father, for giving me another opportunity to to study your word, to prepare a lesson, and to have an opportunity to present it to my brothers and sisters and to to help encourage us. Please help me to remember everything that I've studied and help those who are following along to to check your word against what I'm saying to make sure that it is in line with with what you have uh, laid out for us in your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you've looked at the back of your bulletin, um, the title of the lesson uh, is supposed to be With Liberty and Justice for All, but I put For Liberty and Justice for All. But you may recognize that phrase um, if you know the Pledge of Allegiance. How many of you know the Pledge of Allegiance? I would say most of us know the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, we learned the Pledge of Allegiance from a very young age. Uh, I did a, a history check on the Pledge, and I'm not going to go into all of that this evening, but it has been changed uh, more than once. And, was, and the Pledge of Allegiance we have today uh as of like the late 50s and 60s is what we what we now have. Um, but the Pledge of Allegiance is simply, simply, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And the last line is what I wanted to focus on tonight. Um, what does the word liberty mean. Liberty, uh, one definition is it's, it's, or synonym is the word freedom. A right or privilege, especially a statute, statutory one. And then what does justice mean? Justice is simply what is right. So freedom or liberty and justice uh, it's, it simply says, with liberty and justice for all. Um, and generally, that means, when it says all, citizens of this nation. Um, my question is, you know, liberty and justice are two benefits that as citizens we we are promised and that we are supposed to share in this nation. But... Is that always the case? Does, is that always true for all of us, for every single citizen? And we all understand that that's, the answer is no. Um, and quite simply, it's because we are human. And justice is not always, is not meted out righteously. And as a result, liberty is not shared by every citizen. Uh, why is that? I'll answer that question with another question. Who does the pledge say our nation is under? God. 
right? Our nation is supposed to be one nation under God. When we take God out of the picture, things are chaotic. Um, things don't go the way that they should go. When you don't keep God in the picture with anything in this nation, things fall apart. Um, and it, when when we're talking about justice, God's justice is always going to be uh, perfect. It's always going to be the way that it should be. When we're talking about man, I mean, we're human. And unfortunately, things don't always, if you're not keeping God in mind, um, you have people who uh, are charged and are, in, are pr- imprisoned or lose their lives when they shouldn't. And then you have people who, the opposite, um, they get away with things that they shouldn't get away with. But, you know, that's not just an American thing. That's not just a United States thing. That happens all over the world. And it's not just limited to the 21st century. That has been happening forever. Uh, we see that in the Bible. But in our nation, we know that our justice system is corrupt. And I, I believe it will continue to be that way as long as, as man is in the picture. As, man, as long as man is in the picture, things are always going to turn out pear-shaped in some way. Again, this is not new. As Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, if you'll turn there. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, in verse 10, reads, That which is done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which it may be said, See, this is new. It has already been in ancient times before us. And staying in Ecclesiastes, if you'll flip over or look over, depending on how big your Bible is, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. That's Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Then I returned and considered all the oppression that is done under the sun. And look, the tears of the oppressed. But they have no comforter. On the side of their oppressors there is power, but they have no comforter. Therefore, I praise the dead who are already dead, more than the living who are still alive. Yet better than both is he who has never existed who has not seen the evil work that is done under the sun. When injustice flows, injustice flows through the land, I take comfort in the fact that man's justice is not the end-all, say-all. Um, again, when we look in, through God's word, uh, we see injustice from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. It's something that God's people continue to face over and over again in the Old and New Testament. Brother Bob, actually, uh, this morning, we, he took us to a passage um, that we, we briefly looked over. We didn't actually read, but I, I want to go through Acts chapter 7 
verses 23 through 36. It's a perfect example, um, kind of like what he meant, what he mentioned this morning. It's a cliff note, but basically the cliff notes of everything that happens to God's people in the Old Testament. Acts 7, and in verse 23, uh, Stephen has already gone from um, the beginning up all the way now to Moses. And he begins in verse 23 with Moses, or continues with Moses, saying, When he was 40 years old, and I'm reading the ESV, When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brothers. Brothers, Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. Now when forty years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai, in a flame of fire, in a bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight, and as he drew near to look, there came the voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, and of Isaac, and of Jacob. And Moses trembled and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing standing is holy ground. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've been and I have heard their groaning, and I have come down to deliver them, and now come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt, and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for forty years. This man, this is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai. And with our fathers, he received living oracles to give us. Our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside. And in their hearts, they turned to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make for us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses, who led us out from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days, and offered a sacrifice to the idol, and were rejoicing in the works of their hands. But God turned away and gave them over to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets. Uh, we'll skip. If you skip down... Um, to verse 51. Um, let's see. Uh, verse 44, excuse me. Our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, just as he spoke to Moses. 
directed him to make it according to the pattern that he had seen. Our fathers in turn brought in with brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David, who found favor in the sight of God, and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him, yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands, as the prophets say in in verse 51. Um, It's like Stephen is, he's quoting scripture, and he is uh, summarizing um, their history, and then he he turns to the to his um, audience. He starts talking directly to them, saying, "You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit, as their fathers did. So do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered." You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. So we we see an example of how Moses was chosen to lead God's people. He led them out of Egypt, and the whole time it's like Israel was kicking and screaming, leaving, and they they rejected him to the point where, in anger, he disobeyed God and was not able to see the promised land. Then Jesus, or even before we get to Jesus, all of the prophets were rejected in some way or fashion by the people. They disobeyed God, and some of the prophets lost their lives. Then Jesus, the very prophet that Moses prophesied of, you know, the the Israelites, the Pharisees, held Moses in high esteem, and many times they would quote Moses when speaking to Jesus, the very one who's prophesied of Jesus, they killed Jesus. And now we see this example, um, if you keep reading on, they killed Stephen. My point is that even God's people can be guilty of um, bringing injustice upon the innocent, doing the very oppressing others I mean, I mean, Israel had been oppressed by Egypt. They turned right around and turned on, on each other at um, many points. Um, but we have to be careful as God's people not to let the world influence us or make us turn on each other or even turn against the world. It's a really easy thing to do. But we see this throughout the Bible. Romans, uh, Paul has a lot to say about this in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. God sent Moses, he sent Jesus, and he sent his apostles. Now he calls upon and sends us. And many times, we, I know many of us could give examples if you've evangelized or tried to open up um, or point someone to the Bible, or just do anything, even just even living as a Christian, leading by example. I'm sure we've all been rejected, or come up against rejection. Paul wants us to have the right attitude, even in the face of rejection. 
Let love be, this is Romans 12, starting in verse 9. Let love be without the hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's it's very easy sometimes to forget to 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 remember. It's easy to, to to remember, or easy to forget, I should say, to put push aside those negative emotions when someone yells at you, or screams at you, or cuts you off, or you know, I can. There's a long list of things that people do to each other, do to us. We have to rise above the negative emotions and be Christians first. That's a really hard thing to do. It, it is. And Paul, Paul, of all people, if you read if just the last few chapters of Acts, he goes over his whole story and he, he talks about the many things that he He's, he went through, and in a few of his letters, he gives in detail just a long list of things that happened. He was shipwrecked, he was imprisoned, he was, I mean, he was uh, humiliated, so many different things, and yet he didn't allow that to make him forget who he was. He was a Christian, and the most important thing for us to do is to overcome evil with good. And sometimes it may seem like we don't do it, we're not doing a good job at that. But simply ignoring someone who does something that they shouldn't do towards you is a, says a lot. And it may not seem like it, but I'll just, for example, if you're in the workplace and someone does something and you choose not to do what, what seemed like a logical thing to do, you know, people are watching you. People watch us all the time. Oh, it's amazing, and I'm, this is not me boasting, but I don't necessarily go around with a Christian label on my shirt, but just by our attitude and the way we conduct ourselves, people know that we're different. At least they should know that we're different. And that should pique 
That should give them, make them pause and say, "Hmm, what's different about this person?" And that's a good thing. And it it may seem like a small, that may seem like a really small, minuscule thing, but it's what the world needs right now because there is so much negativity, darkness, and sin out there. People are tearing each other apart, and all people want is. The opposite of that. They may not come out and say it, but if you can be that person, you can be the Christian you're supposed to be. You are that light that people or that person or people need. The most important thing to remember, though, when someone does something to you or someone wrongs you, is that vengeance is God's. In the end, you know, He says, "Vengeance is mine; I will repay." In the end, everyone will be judged. Everyone, every single person, and it may not that may not be comforting right there in that moment. But ultimately, ultimately, we know that God will make God will, God will take care of everything in the end. Ecclesiastes chapter three, verses sixteen and seventeen reads: Moreover, moreover, I saw under the sun in the place of judgment. Wickedness was there, and in the place of righteousness, iniquity was there. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked. For there is a time there for every person, uh, purpose and for every work. And in, in Acts 17, verses 29 to 31, when Paul is in Athens, and there are all these idols... And he finds this one idol to the unknown God, because they didn't want to leave any God of the gods out. He uses that opportunity to preach to those people. And this is like the middle of his sermon, but he continues in verse 29, saying, Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. You know, if anyone deserves and, and if anyone deserves to be angry and to want to pay people back for what they did to him, it's Jesus. But because of the nature of who he is, he he is God. And even while he was on the cross, he told his father, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was willing to go through all of that. And even now that he's in heaven to extend salvation to the very people who nailed them to the cross. I, there aren't any words to describe my awe at, at that fact, that reality, but it should motivate us to, to be like him. And it's not easy to do, but the first step is to become a Christian so that we can be like him. Paul mentioned that God now commands all men everywhere to repent. And earlier in Acts, Peter 
gives the first gospel sermon in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 41. And he, this is after he has told the people on the day of Pentecost what they did, how this Jesus came to the earth, who had been prophesied of, who was in their midst, who fed over 5,000 people, who turned water into wine, who raised the dead, who healed the sick. This very man is the one that they crucified. And he, he, they ask, what shall we do? In verse 37, Acts 2, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this prom- for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Liberty and justice for all. Ultimately, there will be justice for all. Um, it may, it, justice does not always come as quickly as we want it to. A, I've heard that um, statement used before. Um, but we can take comfort in the fact that in the end, um, or even right now, when there's injustice going on, God knows and he sees. When the Israelites were in captivity in Egypt, God knew what they were going through. He saw what they were going through, and he made a way for them to leave, or made a way out. God sees what we go through today in this pandemic. You know, this pandemic is, as it's been said more than once, it's even when it goes away, there will still be problems and issues that we face. If anything, I think it's put a magnifying glass on the problems that we deal with on a daily basis. But ultimately, we, we understand, we should understand as Christians, no matter what goes on in this world, what we face, that God is on the throne. And that if we have the blood of Jesus on us, if we have been, if we've repented and been baptized and are continuing to try to live faithfully each and every day, then we have the hope of heaven. But there are people in the world who do not have that hope. And it's our job not only to preach to them, but to live what we preach. It's one thing to say all of these things, but if we're going out and we're acting and behaving just like everybody else, no one's going to want to hear the gospel. And we have to work hard as the church not to be like everyone else because there are people out there who believe we are like everyone else, even though that is not, not, not necessarily true. Sometimes we may slip and we do look like the world, like denominations. But ultimately, God knows and he sees when we are doing what we're supposed to be doing. I hope this lesson has been encouraging to you. Um, and I hope that we can take something from this lesson and it empowers you to go out and 
to be who God wants us to be. If there's anything that, any prayers that you need or concerns, now is the perfect time. As we together we stand and sing.